Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than the Draft Dudes' first ever Monday episode? Welcome, everybody, to the Draft Dudes podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at NDT Scouting, NFL Draft Analyst for FanRag Sports. I am joined by the Assistant Director of Scouting, Joe Marino, and we are in a hashtag dude mood on a Monday. We're feeling good. Joe, happy Monday, my man. Happy Monday, Kyle, and I'm not sure there's a better way to start your week than uh, getting this getting this podcast together for the people. So uh, we've got some good stuff to talk about, man, on a Monday. Yeah, that's the beauty of this time of year is uh, there's no shortage of headlines. Like on any given day, you can sit down and there's stories on stories, and some of them are dumb, and we're going to get into one or two of those today. Um Fake just, news. Just, yeah, just to point out the hashtag <laughs> fake news. Um, but there's also uh, some pretty substantial developments, too. So it'll be a nice blend of fake news and real news for everybody. It's up to you to determine uh, which is which. Uh, we are going to do uh, 
the roll call going through the Roto World NFL Draft headlines over the past couple of days. Uh, we had the opportunity to do this previously, and it got a really good response on our previous project. So we are here uh, to appease the people, hopefully reel some of you guys into the podcast if you're listening for the first time. Um, as a reminder, Joe... Will the people be able to find the draft dudes on iTunes at any point? Hashtag soon. Uh, as we have answered several times. Endless times. Per hour over the last several <laughs> weeks. Uh, it will be on iTunes. iTunes does require you to have some archived episodes before they uh, let you put it on there. So we are doing that archiving episodes right so like today's our third one so it, it should be on there this week and then it's going to uh, uh to populate to all the other podcast resources that we're also asked about so soon folks it'll be there for you on the itunes okay so i'm just confirming the show will be on itunes yes okay so now next time we get it we can just send them the link to this episode and li- say listen to the first three minutes and, like- and, and we'll have the answer <laughs> right that's like we did on Friday, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... Um... So anyway, let's get into some news. Uh, Joe, I'm, I'm sure you heard about this. Uh, Miles Garrett um, had a video come out uh, where he indicated he was hoping the Dallas Cowboys would trade Tony Romo and a couple of picks and trade them to Cleveland so the Cowboys could select... Miles Garrett with the first pick. Um, it, there is absolutely nothing to see here, right? No. No. Yeah, this is... And it turns out this video that's blowing up the second week in February uh, was actually recorded in December. <laughs> so, like, there was a video that happened like five days ago where Garrett was talking about you know, how he wants to be the top player selected and is looking forward to being a Cleveland Brown. And I think all the writing on the wall is that Miles Garrett's going to be a Cleveland Brown. Uh, Cleveland should not force this pick. If they do, the 49ers should have the fastest card turn in in the history of the draft. Um, blue chip player. Plays a high-impact position. Um but please, guys, don't don't make this Cowboys references. Um, everybody's allowed to have a, a favorite team. Uh, Garrett went to Texas A&M. He's a Midwest native. Uh, big surprise. He likes the Cowboys. He's you know, 20-something years old. Uh, Cowboys were good when he was a kid, so he, he likes the Cowboys. But that you draw that line, right? Like... There's a difference between having a childhood fandom and somebody paying you money to play a sport and be a professional at it. And from everything that I've seen, Garrett is um, a a consummate professional. So the fact that this is even a story as of Saturday is frustrating. I've got a little take on that. And I've got to uh, give a shout-out to Dane Brugler of CBS Sports. He had the best tweet response, I think, on this matter, and I'm just going to read it. He said, if you ask Mitch Trubisky what NFL team he wants to draft him, he'll say the Browns. So 31 other teams should be offended, right? 
hashtag sarcasm. I think that pretty well encapsulates this matter. Uh, you know, that's actually in his bio in Mitch Trubisky's UNC bio, his official bio. It says that the team he most wants to play for is the Cleveland Browns. Well, it doesn't matter. So to Kyle's point, fake news. Could you imagine like San Francisco's in the war room and they're, they're <laughs> trying to make their pick and they're like, yeah, yeah you know what? He said he wants to play for the Browns. He probably won't play that hard for us. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, guys. Come on. Nope. All right. So we had a report come out on Friday of last week uh, from Albert Breer uh, indicating that Ole Miss wide receiver Demora Stringfellow uh, did not receive an invitation to the scouting combine. Uh, this apparently stems from uh, a plead of guilty for an assault charge in 2014 when he was still with the Washington Huskies. Um, Joe, I'm going to let you tackle this one because I believe you have some some feedback and reaction to not just necessarily Stringfellow, but the, the combine stance on this crackdown. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? I, I guess I slightly hat-tip the NFL for trying to do something to um, – penalize or whatever they're trying to do uh, to these, these, these kids that have, um, uh, what is it, if they have a misdemeanor or felony conviction involving violence, use of a weapon, domestic violence, a sexual offense, or a sexual assault, they, um, they have instituted a policy that bars them from uh, participating in the combine. Okay, well, what does it really do, right? What does it actually accomplish? Are they barring them from getting drafted? No. So, and I'm not saying they should, so please don't take that out of context, but I just don't know what this accomplishes. If anything, all this really does is punish the teams, right? Because now they've got to set up hosting these players and go out of their way to get this information because at the end of the day, all these players are going to be vetted very thoroughly by these teams, um, and it just hurts the teams when they're trying to gather this information. The The players have that background no matter what. But the teams need to get that background and ask those questions. And I like the idea of them being at the combine and having to do a press conference and get in front of people and and respond to these types of things, uh, as opposed to you know just isolating them. It doesn't ma- it does not going to have any implications on their draft stock. Teams are going to get the information. They're going to do what they want to with the information, and they're still going to make the same decision. It does nothing. It accomplishes nothing. So. There's my hot take on that. I, I mean, Stringfellow is obviously talented enough to be in the combine. Joe Mixon, the Baylor receiver, all these guys that can't come. I just don't know what it actually accomplishes at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a, a pretty valid point because, you know, when I first heard um, Mixon didn't get invited, it was like, oh, man, like that could be a pretty troubling blow. And then, like, the more people talk to me about it, it's like, yeah, you know what? Like, Oklahoma still has a pro day. And you can bet your bottom dollar there's probably going to be 30 teams at the Oklahoma Pro Day, right? Like individual one-on-ones and interviews and um, local teams like like Kansas City and Dallas and Houston could probably rope him in as like a, a local visit, so to say. I know they get a couple of those every spring too. So teams are going to have access. And if you're going to curb... There needs to be some kind of, uh, I feel like, a structured, uh, disciplinary, kind of like with the substance abuse. Like, if you're going to curb these teams 
for or penalize these players for things that they've done in college, then they need to come into the league with a strike against them in the disciplinary uh, regard. Um, and it just seems like a lot of that's arbitrary right now. So I'm not sure uh, what kind of influence that's going to have on any of the teams. Uh, but we're going to move on. We have a couple of labrum surgeries to talk about, Joe. Uh, <laughs> first of all, um, Tony Pauline uh, reported on Friday around 4 o'clock that uh, Boise State running back Jeremy McNichols uh, is planning on participating at the Combine, but will undergo labrum surgery after the Combine. Uh, Joe, on the count of three, we're going to try this again, okay? Because this did not go well for us last time we tried to do the count of three. All right. We're going to say the guy that each of us independently, because I'm really proud of this comp, because we both thought of similar flashes in playing style watching McNichols as we did somebody else, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we unsolicited came back to one another with the same comp for him. So on the E in three, we're going to give everybody that comp. Yes? Yes. Okay. Uh, let's, <laughs> let, man, let's hope this goes right. Okay. Uh, one, two, three. Maurice, Maurice Jones, Jones Drew. Drew. Yes. All right. We nailed it, dude. Uh, <laughs> a really compact runner. He's not as thick in the lower half um, as what Jones Drew was, but the way he plays off a of contact and his, he's got like shock absorbers in the upper body to be able to take hits and keep rolling and um, really pleasantly surprised. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Um, out of McNichols, I knew he was super productive, and uh, they used him in, in the receiving game as well. And um, I think he's probably, especially in this class, going to be a day three player. Uh, but the fact that you've got you know, a labrum surgery, which now, and that's at least three documented labrum injuries with McNichols, uh, the guy we're going to talk about next, uh, Washington wide receiver John Ross, and uh, Tack McKinley. You know, a lot of labrum issues this year. Um, Will be interesting to see oh, how teams tackle that because you saw what kind of impact it had on somebody like Shaq Lawson for the Buffalo Bills this past year. Uh, first round selection, uh, Joe, you would know this more accurately than I would, but when did he end up getting on the field for them? Oh, it was week seven or eight, yeah, sometime mid mid season. And and that for a rookie can derail oh, your yeah, entire yeah. rookie season so they don't practice yeah so so it puts you behind the curve and um especially in a class that's got so many gifted runners uh i think this has the potential to to, to hurt his stock uh, notably uh joe we mentioned john ross wide receiver uh, another guy with a labrum issue is planning on doing surgery after the combine uh will miss the washington pro day on march 11th uh so Give us your reaction. What are you thinking about hearing that John Ross has an injury that he has to tend to? So he's going to go run his 4-3 and then get go under the knife, huh? That's the plan. Yeah, well, that's what he needs to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is a glass boy, right, in John Ross. In 2014, he had the meniscus tear. In 2015, the full-blown ACL tear. And now he's got uh, the labrum that's going to require surgery. And, 
man, uh, what does this go back to? We, we, we've said it before, if anyone's paid attention to us, that your best ability is your availability. And I've got some concerns here about Mr. John Ross and his, uh, his long-term availability. He's undersized to begin with. So uh, you start thinking about all these these issues that he's having uh, in the lower body and the upper body now, and you just worry about his ability to be reliable and available for you, and uh, you know you'll be able to look past that speed real quick if it's on the sideline. So uh, this is a blow. This is a big blow for John Ross, um, especially as I think that you look at this wide receiver class as a whole. Um, you know some of these uh, second tier guys like Isaiah Ford and Juju Smith Schuster and our Darius Stewart. Those types of guys are going to be the beneficiaries of this injury, and it's unfortunate because I like the explosive skill set that Ross has to offer. But if he can't stay healthy, then you know it's it's just going to mitigate his value at the end of the day. Yeah, a couple things to unpack here on my end. First of all, I'm glad you said it, and not me. Uh, best ability is availability. Yeah, you always struggle with that. I always, no, I butcher that thing, man. It's every (laughs) single time. Um, Second of all, uh, our Darius Stewart, Joe. Oh, my man. I hear you think he's good. Dude, dude, we have, I've, what did I, I've never, so I've been working with FanRag for, I don't know, a couple months now, and I, I've not pitched an article yet. Uh, I pitched my first article. I said, hey guys, next week you gotta let me write about our Darius Stewart because, damn it, he's good, man. I love him. Yeah, uh, do you remember that time somebody on Twitter nope. told us to, to, nope. to kill ourselves? Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because we said Stewart was better than – you You referenced me on yeah. uh, a tweet and said, uh, Kyle's guy, Ardarius Stewart, uh, is playing well. He thinks he's better than Alabama wide receiver Calvin Ridley. And somebody told us to kill ourselves because I had that take. We, hey, we we went. We've remained strong, unified front, and uh, you know what? We're still breathing here on uh, in the middle of February. That's so, right, uh, standing firm on our own two feet. Um, <laughs> and and then last, just just about Ross's um, draft status in general. I do have a take here because I still see him mocked in like the twenties, and man, you get into you know the durability questions. I think his route running superb. Uh, but so was Tyler Lockett's out of Kansas State. And that's kind of been my comp for Ross is Lockett with his, his build. Uh, where they win is similar, uh, but they also address the ball similar. He does not extend and, and greet the ball with consistency. He likes If he's square to the ball, he likes to trap it on his chest. And that's not a problem until you get into contested catch situations and somebody has the ability to come over top your shoulder and break up the pass. Uh, you know, comps will go anywhere from Brandon Cooks, Ted Ginn, Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Ty Hilton. Pretty much if you ran under a 4-4, you're going to get <laughs> comp to John Ross. It's, it's, that's, somebody's going to connect those dots. But there's more to the game than speed. And he's got great speed. He's got great after-the-catch abilities, really creative in the open field. But I don't see how, well, even if he does check in at 5'11", 179, which he's listed at, uh, with the durability questions, how he addresses the ball, and, and the functional play strength that he has, I don't know how you could sign off on him being a first-round pick. Don't disagree with you, sir. Thank you. All right, so I'm glad we, we agree on our Darius Stewart and John Ross now. It's a good day for the dudes. Well, wait, just wait. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to end with some animosity, I feel like. Um, yeah, we are going to. We got two more headlines to dig into now that we've teased everybody that we're going to be in fisticuffs by the end of the show. Um, 
We had an NFC executive told Monday morning quarterback on Friday that five quarterbacks could go in the top two rounds. Now, I don't necessarily think that's stunning because that's happened uh, five times since the year 2000. Uh, 2014, 2012, 2011, 2007, 2006. But what's surprising about it is the quote includes Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Kaiser, Patrick Mahomes, let me try that again, Patrick (laughs) Mahomes, and Davis Webb? So I I think four, I'm on board with four being first or second round picks. Um, But Davis Webb? As potential candidate number five, Joe, can we think of any quarterbacks that would be more worthy of a second-round pick than Davis Webb? Uh, And uh, if you will uh, stay in tune with my content, I have released an article today on that, and that guy is Nate Peterman, who is a superior prospect to Davis Webb. Uh, So not surprising at all that uh, the five quarterbacks we're talking about an NFL that took the likes of Blaine Gabbert and, and Blake Bortles and EJ Manuel and those types of players in the first round. Well, yeah, these guys are going to get drafted. They're going to get drafted higher, probably higher than I'm going to value a lot of those guys. So not surprising to think five quarterbacks go in the first two rounds, but the names are a little bit surprising because I think even after a really good week at the senior bowl where he was better than Davis Webb, for some reason, we're still talking about Davis Webb as a better prospect than than Nathan Peter, and I'm not on the, I'm not on, on on board with that at all. It's because he can throw the ball really hard, Joe. He can yeah. throw it far too. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think the most ridiculous thing and argument I got against Peterman was Peterman's first career start was with the Tennessee Volunteers on the road at the Swamp in Florida. And I think he went like three for 11 for 11 yards and two interceptions. And so he's like, anybody who could play like that's not worthy of getting picked on day two of the draft. I I get blown away by some of the stuff that people get hung up on that is not relevant. I mean, it's just, it goes back to, I mean, not in the same capacity, but the people that want to continue to remind us that Marquise Williams was a starting quarterback over Mitch Trubisky last year. Well, that's it. They just get hung up on these things, and they have, they get away from what really matters, the traits, the tape. How have they been playing? What do they do on the field? And, and uh, you know, if we're going to sit here and, and – I mean, I can't even believe I'm talking about this right now, that his first start against Florida four, three, four years ago didn't go well. But look at his – look at his uh, – what did he start? 20-something, 26 games or something at, at Pitt, uh, and he was the most efficient passer in the ACC this past year, led the offense, the highest-scoring offense in Pittsburgh history, with 45 touchdowns against 15 interceptions over the last two years. I mean, come on now. You're going to get caught up on a 3-for-11 start against Florida? Get out of here with that. Man, I got you all fired up. <laughs> I don't know whether I should apologize or not. No, let's just draft dudes, man. We just, yeah. we just, we let it fly. We just, no, we just dude out. Dude out, man. All right. Are you ready for some Joe Mixon takes? Are uh, you ready for some Joe Mixon takes? No, I'm not ready for your opinion. You're okay, entitled well, you're... to it, but you're also entitled to be wrong. That's fine. Area scout stands up for Oklahoma running back Joe Mixon. One area scout assigned to Oklahoma told Albert Breer that soon as running back Joe Mixon is well-liked by people at the university. Okay, now here, there's things to unpack here. The anonymous scout included the following uh, about his team fit at the next level. It needs to be the right market, 
a team that can handle the onslaught, the right PR staff, because you're going to have to weather in the storm. But the guy the Chiefs drafted, Tyreek Hill, Joe Mixon isn't as half of a expletive that guy was. You'd have to search to find people that don't like him. Everyone there loves him. Joe, the floor is yours. Well, the off-field stuff is obviously alarming. Um, and, you know, he should be penalized, however, the maximum that you can penalize a guy for off-the-field issues. And and, and every team's going to deal with that differently. And, and it, it does have a major impact. And, yeah, of course, the right – People need to be in place. I've heard that about other running backs in this class also that people think very highly of that nobody's mentioning that. So just just a little side note there. But so let's let's look at Mixon as a player, what he does on, on the field. And um, let me go ahead and tell you this, that Mixon is supremely talented. Uh, when he gets into space, he has dynamic physical traits to take over. He's an off-the-charts receiver. Uh, actually rare. I would describe his receiving ability for a running back as rare. So far, but, so um, good. So, so all of that stuff's really good, but I have some stylistic concerns uh, that I think that uh, Joe Mixon's going to have to correct in order to have the success that I think a lot of people believe that he will in the NFL. Um, I, I just feel like he's too nonchalant when pressing the line of scrimmage, and he's very slow to commit between the tackles. Um, before he commits to the hole, he likes to do a lot prior to sway the defense, get them to over-pursue and then cut off that, and, and it works pretty well for him at Oklahoma, but I just don't know if that's going to be the same level of success at the NFL. I, I think the, the scouting report will be that he does that, and those NFL linebackers are going to flow, and they're going to commit hard, and I think that he's going to have a lot of, you know, zero, one-yard, negative one-yard gains, um, and uh, it's it's not so much that he's patient, right? I get patience. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, patient, right? I get that. Christian McCaffrey, be very patient. I think that it's kind of, uh, you know, I'm the I'm the most physically gifted dude on the field. You know, let me just let me set it up and 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 break off it. And then once I find space, I, I you know I have the physical traits. I don't. I think it's kind of an attitude and the way that he presses the line of scrimmage. I rather him kind of you know get it up in there and commit and go. And and I think that he just does too much before he hits the the hole. And and it's that indecision really bothers me quite a bit. It's not that he doesn't like contact or anything like that. I just think the way that he addresses the line of scrimmage is something that I, I think is going to need to be stylistically improved in order for him to be the player with the upside on the field that I think he has. Man, this is fascinating because I, I have my full-on film assessment from Mixon out in front of me. And, you know, I did share this take on social media. Um, I guess it was last two weeks ago, probably. Uh, Joe Mixon is the highest film score I've given a running back in four years. Now, film score is not everything. Uh, I still think he's not going to be my running back one or probably either my running back two, not even getting into off the field. Um, you know, his game experience uh, is limited. His production uh, per game is excellent. Uh, 14.6 touches from scrimmage for 118 yards and 1.08 touchdowns per game uh, that he's played. Uh, 
But if you start unpacking like his 2015 when he was a redshirt freshman, um, his production against the top teams that they played was not good, which kind of drags down his production score. So now you're starting to get into splitting hairs. But again, that goes into the qualities and perks of numerical scoring is you're able to uh, put players into tiers based on film and then let the supplemental pieces separate who falls where in respective tiers. But in, in his film assessment itself, he is the top running back score I've given out in four years. Uh, I will grant this to you. I do have, and this is verbatim off my report, every so often we'll get caught getting too fancy or lackadaisical as compared to sticking head down and driving for necessary yardage. Okay? I think that's fair. Fair. The word patience comes up in four different points in my report. Uh, patience and nuance litter film. Um, uh, has ability to carry speed through pressing of the line of scrimmage and accelerate when slow playing patiently at the line of scrimmage. Will show patience if initial hole is clogged or if bo- running boundary zone stretch reps. Uh, I-, I think we're just interpreting this tape differently. A- and it very well may be uh, he's a little lackadaisical with it because... You know, he knows physically he can get away with it. But I think that understanding of knowing that you can let things break down and then you're still good enough to explode and drive off of that. And I still think even if, even if you have those concerns, you don't think that that skill set, even though it might be two one-yard runs, he's still not going to pump a bunch of chunk gains with how physically gifted he is? Yeah, I, I think he will. I think he's going to have those big plays and pick up those chunks of yards. And, and um, you know, one thing that I did two years ago uh, that was a great exercise for me is that I committed myself to watching inordinate amounts of NFL All-22 tape. And uh, I think I came away with so many different impressions, but one of them was how quickly holes closed down in the NFL. One of my favorite things to do is to – uh, watch that all 22 end zone angle and then, you know, kind of work my pause button at, at strategic places, particularly on run plays, so that I can see at various points before a running back hits the line of scrimmage what they're seeing, what they're looking at, and, and how the defense is reacting. And one of my big takeaways is was just how quickly those holes closed down in the NFL, much different than in, in college, right? Uh, and so I just I think there's going to be an adjustment. And if you remember, uh, I did his film evaluation over the weekend, and me and you, of course, have a, a nonstop dialogue going, uh, just sharing thoughts as we watch tape and different things that we want to talk about. And I said to you, hey, I said, look, I have some stylistic concerns about Mixon unless he went to the right offensive line. So, you know, I do think that he's going to, if he wants to run the same way, he's going to going to need to have those offensive linemen that can really sustain their blocks and understand who they're, you know, who they're blocking for. And, and that's something that will just have to come together because if, if he's going to be behind a, an offensive line that, that is, you know, a makeshift or has, you know, pieced together, when you think about like the Panthers offensive line, something like that, you know, I just don't know if that, if that's going to translate. So there's going to be an adjustment period all around because, that type of patience is is I just don't see it working that much. I, I've mentioned Le'Veon Bell and and I love his patience. It really works for him, but um, you know I, I just worry about it being a, a, a something that Mixon can replicate. And to your point, it could just be a matter of us interpreting the tape different, and that's what makes this fun. You know what I mean? Like I can't wait to look back in three years and say, all right, well yeah, Joe interpreted it right or wrong, or this is this is 
what we're seeing and who winds up being correct on this. This is a good discussion. Hold on, you you can't come back and end this with an end this with an amicable, um, friendly demeanor. Here we're we're fighting uh, here. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, Stir it up, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, um, do you do you have? Because as you were in your, you know, ending monologue, I thought of the perfect offensive line for him to go run behind. Do you have any? The perfect offensive line for him to run behind. Yeah, like uh, like, a, like an offense that that you would love to see. You think Joe Mixon can run behind and be successful? Uh, was that Denver Broncos offensive line uh, in 1987? I mean, can we get that out there? No, no, it's a, it's a today's NFL. Uh, today's NFL. Not Seattle. No, uh, not Seattle. Not Minnesota. Not, not Minnesota. Carolina. Uh, there's something that stands I'm curious here. What stands out? Uh, oh, come on. Green, Green Bay? No. Oakland Raiders. Oh, oh, yeah. Think about the people movers they have on the inside. Yeah, I, okay, I can get behind that. And I don't know, the Ra- I'm just, the Raiders have a reputation in, in years past. Want to take a chance on a guy. Well, he'll have to run well at his pro day because they won't get to see him at the combine. Am I, am I calling my shot? I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's know. easy to peg a lot of running backs to the Raiders. Like, yeah. we always, it's like, oh, if Christian McCaffrey would be so good for the Raiders. Alvin McCamara, you know what I mean? So I think that we, we can expect the Raiders to take uh, a, a running back in the shot. first two rounds. Yeah, the, the Raiders are taking a running back in this year's draft. And they Call should. my it. shot. There you go. <laughs> bold, Kyle. It's bold, man. Oh, man, good discussion, man. Let's let's pump the brakes there. We've got another show coming up for the people on Wednesday. Stay engaged. Uh, Kyle and I have a lot of written content, right? So we do this uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast for you, but we got a lot of written stuff. I just dropped uh, a piece over the weekend on Jabril Pepper, so make sure you check that out. I've got one today releasing on Nathan Peterman. Kyle did some nice work last week on Juan Price and um, – who else? Somebody else. I, it was good. I don't remember who it was, oh, but I'm uh, sure. Uh, thanks for reading, Joe. I read the Juan Price. I just can't remember your <laughs> other piece from last week. I'm sorry, man. Uh, it's Juan Price. I mean, I, you're going to come back on Wednesday, and you're going to tell me who I wrote about last week. Okay. Well, so so stay engaged. We got a lot of great written content for you. We got a lot coming at NDT Scouting. I know we keep saying that, but stay tuned, man. We got some awesome stuff down the pike for you. Please stay engaged with us on Twitter. We love to interact, talk football with you, answer your draft questions. Kyle is at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. So click that follow button and stay engaged. We'll be back again for you on Wednesday. iTunes is supposed to happen this week, so stay engaged. We got a lot coming. Uh, signing off for Kyle Krabs. I am Joe Marino, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the. Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.